They haven't. Hey, uh, Sax, oh, hey I guys, see somebody. Look who's here. Oh, look who oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it the proprietor? <laughs> the proprietor, the owner. Twitter customer support at, at, at your service. Sax, <laughs> <laughs> you spent the last 15 minutes selling your new features uh, yeah. on the podcast. Pretty exciting. Well, the, the, like, the views are like incredible. Like, yeah. The, I mean, yeah. And I saw Dave Rubin already made an observation that if you look at New York Times, their views are maybe one-tenth like my views, just me yes. as a lone tweeter. And he said that their followers are inflated by just basically buying a bunch of follower accounts. Yeah, the, the, the views thing is huge. That's why I, I pushed the views, which is like actually a lot harder feature to implement than you'd think because the sheer number of uh, transactions uh, per second, like uh, uh, it, it's, I think it sort of requires system-wide uh, on the order of, of three, mo- 3 million transactions a second to actually calculate the view, to you know, calculate and display the view count, <laughs> FYI, for Twitter, <laughs> Twitter Global. So it's like 3 million per second. <laughs> it's a lot. For those of you listening, uh, Elon Musk has joined the pod. Elon, how, how's, uh, how's the first six weeks been, generally speaking, of owning Twitter? Well, it's been quite a, a roller coaster, which uh, obviously you've... Um, but witnessed and been on the roller coaster as well. Yes, the Dramamine. I've taken the Dramamine. It's it's quite up. Yeah, and down. I mean it's exciting, uh, but I, th- I think it sort of <laughs> has its highs and lows to say the least. Um, but overall, it seems to be going in a good direction, and um, you know we've, we've got the the expenses reasonably under control, so the company's not like on the in the fast lane of bankruptcy anymore. And we're uh, releasing features uh, faster than Twitter's history at the same time as having contained the costs and, and uh, re- reduced the cost structure by a factor of three, maybe maybe four. So, you know, the, the, the verified uh, is obviously, that, that's, that's, that's huge. It's a revenue stream as well as um, uh, a, a means of identifying, of, of like, Knowing that it's a real person and not a bot or a troll situation, the ha- having the affiliation organization affiliation, which I suspect you talked about, that was a, an idea of David's. That was great um, to uh, you know have organization affiliation, so you can know that somebody is um, an actual professor at Stanford or an, uh, th- that this particular handle is actually Disney, not someone simply putting "I work at Disney" in my in their bio. <laughs> So um, I think that's going to be really helpful. It, 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 just really just having um, detailed and uh, nuanced verification. Uh, so of all the various things that you say you are, uh, are these things validated by other people and organizations? Can you tell us how, how you do product iteration, Elon? Because one of the things that I think some people got jolted by over the last couple of weeks is like a bunch of things got taken away or changed or rules changed or policies changed and there was very quick action. And then people had all this negative feedback about the the quick action without communication. But your extraordinary talent is to iterate product to success. Can you just maybe share with people how you do product iteration in, in this context to help them understand how some of these decisions get made and why moving quickly is so important and just, you know, how you're doing this? I'm a big believer in like, you want to look at the uh, net output. Um, so it's sort of like, uh, you know, what's the batting average? Uh, if, if, you're, if it's like baseball. The, the point is, is not that you like, uh, you know, 
hit the ball, but it's like, well, how many home runs you get? And how, like, what, what's your actual... Your slugging percentage. Yeah, slugging percentage. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you're going to swing for the fences. You're going to, you're going to, you know, strike out a bit more, but we're going to swing for the fences here at Twitter um, and we're going to do it quickly. So, and I think uh, generally, like my error rate uh, and, and sort of being the chief twit uh, will be uh, less over time. <laughs> Um, but uh, you know, in, in the beginning we'll, we'll make obviously sort of a lot more mistakes, uh, in, uh, you know, because it's, I'm new to the, I'm like, Hey, I just got here, man. Um, so, I mean, if you look at like the actual amount of improvement that's happened at Twitter in terms of like, so like having costs that are not insane, uh, and getting and actually shipping product that on balance is good. I think that is, uh, that it, that's great. Like I think we're, we're actually executing well and getting things done. I think we'll have fewer um, fewer gaffes in the future. How did you get to your intuition on what the efficient frontier of employees needed to be to make the product better? Well, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I observed uh, part of this where yeah. you basically asked the question: Who here is critical? And who here is exceptional? Yes, I mean, so I mean, it really, the what the criteria is trying to apply, and obviously, you're not going to be perfect um, if you're moving fast, and and there's a lot of you know people you're talking about here is that anyone who is exceptional at what they do, where the role is critical, and they have a positive effect uh, on others, um, and they are trusted, meaning they put the company's interests before their own, uh, should stay. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, and and you know also and it also is up for working you know working hard like uh, that would not that would not this, these, this, that's not was not Twitter's prior culture. Yeah, were you surprised that that the intersection <laughs> of that circle and the people that left was basically twenty five percent? Were you surprised it was that deep, or did you think your intuition was like it's probably somewhere in here? Well, I think you could just stand back and say without knowing how many employees Twitter has at all and say how many people are really needed to run Twitter. Like let's say you don't know what the employee headcount number is at all. How many people are, ne- are needed to keep the site operational? Like let's say if, if excluding product, product evolution, you basically have to keep the servers going and uh, you have to have customer sort of a, a support function to take down uh, material that is in violation of the law. How many people, what's the minimum number of people? That's in the hundreds, probably. It's not, a, not exactly. It's, it's, not a, it's not like a giant number. Yeah. Twitter still has like 2,000 people, right? Yeah, we still have 2,000 people. It's not nothing. And, and actually, if you, there's, there's actually on the order of uh, like almost 5,000 uh, contractors. Like, like still. Al- almost, yeah, almost all of the what's called trust and safety work, which is like um, the, the, the support functions for the site are done by contractors. You're, you're doing a lot more to take down hate speech than the company previously was doing. Yeah, absolutely. Like hate speech impressions are down by a third and will get even um, lower. Maybe you could speak a little bit to the, what we discovered, uh, I think, in those early weeks, which was the incentive. The incentive previously was to create as many accounts as possible uh, and there were a lot of quick fixes to lowering all these 
you know, what people might call bot accounts. In some cases, it was people opening many millions of accounts. But uh, we discovered this very early. How easy was it for you uh, with the tech team to maybe lower the bot count and all the fake accounts? Maybe you could speak a little bit to that because people have seemed to think that, gosh, it's, it's a really hard thing to get rid of bots. And it turns out it isn't. Um, well, we still have a fair number of bots in the system. Um, but the, the, like, I think the, the incentive structure, the way Twitter was set up previously was this relentless focus on what they called MDAO, which is monetizable daily active users. Although I would say the monetizable part is d dubious. But at least things that appeared to be monetizable or could be passed off as monetizable daily active users. So this, I created an incentive to turn a blind eye to a fake accounts. So if the incentive structure is like, you know, maximize the appearance of monetizable daily active users, then you're just, it's a strong incentive to pretend that a bot is real. And that's what happened. So um, we, we've taken a lot of steps to reduce the, the bots and troll situation. Um, <laughs> so many. Um, and um, I think you're seeing that in, in the, the usage. Like, it, it's, not, it's not like relatively rare to have your replies filled with crypto scams. I'm not seeing any anymore. Freeberg, you had a question. Yeah, I mean, just on your earlier question, you know, Elon, when you first started um, making changes at Twitter after you bought the business, a lot of people kind of took notice at how extraordinarily swift and significant those changes were. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of technology companies that have CEOs and investors and boards, and we all talk to a lot of them, and they're all now having a conversation like, look at what Elon did at Twitter. How can we do something as aggressive, as swift, as deep? Do you think much about kind of the, the, the model you're playing for other businesses and other business leaders, particularly in Silicon Valley and how you're operating Twitter? Do you ever kind of talk about that? Because I know you, you mostly talk about your business and you talk about the businesses you're running, but you're having a big influence, I think, in how other people kind of act and behave that are other business leaders and, and run other technology companies. I mean, to Frank, I'm not, I'm not really you know, active, I'm thinking about that much because I'm just thinking about like, how do we, um, I'm just, just like, you know, uh, just get Twitter to be in a financially healthy place um, and, and, and fix the engine of engineering so we can have a rapid evolution of, of new products. So, and, you know, I, I mean, I guess I'm in sort of, in, in some ways, an unfortunate position where I uh, don't, don't have to answer, it's, it's not public, and we don't have a board, really. So, uh, I mean, so I can just go, you know, and, and, and I can take actions that are uh, drastic. And, and obviously, if, 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 if I make a bunch of mistakes, then, the, then, then Twitter won't succeed. And that'll be pretty embarrassing and uh, sad. <laughs> but... As long as, like I said, as long as the batting average is, is good, um, that, 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 that the um, wins uh, out, you know, significantly outweigh the mistakes, then um, you know, it'll be a great future. And I I'm very optimistic about where things are headed. I think a lot of people want to talk about or understand, Elon, your position on freedom of speech and your principles. I'm, I'm curious. You've been pretty upfront about it. How do you think about it post-acquisition? 
you know, what speech should be allowed on the platform. Kanye came back, he just went insane. His account got revoked. What, what have you learned, I guess, now that you own it? Because you must be getting a, a lot of inbound from people asking you, hey, how are decisions going to be made, etc. You've been clear, transparency is super important in this. But maybe yeah. what are your thoughts on free speech and speech on a platform like this? Well, I mean, the, the general principle, I think, is that we should hew close to the law in any given country. So the law is varied quite a lot by, by country. Um, and um, so I think we should be the, the, doing free speech that's that's close close to the law and uh that's the, that's that's the general principle um the i think there there are other things where it's like okay we we um like for example like if, if you're an advertiser um you don't want an extra you don't you don't want your ad like let's say it's a family movie <laughs> next to some you know, uh, NSFW content, even if that content is text, you know, <laughs> you know it's like, <laughs> um, yeah. th th they'll be like, uh, that's probably, that's, we don't, you know, so, so that, that's, so they'll, they'll, that's, you know, part of what, you know, like, when we, like, so there's, there's more of an allowance for what you might, what somebody call hate speech on the system, but it's just, it's not going to be promoted. It's not like, it's, we're not going to be recommending hate speech. This <laughs> is the risk of stating the obvious. And we're not going to monetize hate speech. So, or, or negative speech, like that's, nor would advertisers want us to, you know, any, any, I think, it's going to be a rare product that wants to be uh, next to uh, seriously negative stuff. I was going to say, you referred to it as, hey, freedom of speech, but not reach, because this is a very nuanced discussion. Like, should this stuff be able to hit the trends, you know, and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Like, it's, it's certainly possible that some things that will be regarded as hate speech will hit, will hit, will hit trends, but I think it's going to be relatively unusual, uh, especially as we are doing a better job of controlling the, the bots and trolls situation. And, uh, and, you know, I, do, I do want to emphasize like there's a difference between the bots and the trolls. Like bots are like fully automated accounts, but like a troll farm would be where you've got like, you know, 100 people in a warehouse somewhere, each with 100 phones. And so they're actually humans and they're going to pass a capture test or, or you know, and, and they can, you know, reply, reply and they're because they're actually good humans, but it's actually 10,000 accounts that are just, that are, that are obviously not operating as, as, as real people. So that that's you know stuff like that can cause things to, to to trend negatively. That's why I'm like a big proponent of having just a low cost um, verification capability. And um, yeah, so but like this is definitely a work in progress. So there's um, like I said, there's going to be and I, I did like one of the first things I said uh, after the acquisition closed was like we're going to make a bunch of mistakes. But then we'll try to recover from them quickly, and that's uh, that's what we've done. And I think we've generally succeeded in, in <laughs> uh, recovering from them quickly, and um, it's been going pretty well. Was the Paul Graham and journalist suspensions mistakes? From, have you talked about this publicly about how that all kind of got resolved at the end? Uh, yeah, I mean the Paul Graham uh, suspension was definitely a mistake, and uh, I actually called Paul Graham to apologize personally for that we one. Did. Yeah, um, oh, great. Yeah, um, so. Uh, you know, on the journalist front, the I think the journalist suspensions were, were, were not not a mistake. Uh, in, in that, um, for some reason, uh, a, a bunch of journalists thought they were um, 
better than regular than everyone else, and that if they engage in doxing and and uh, you know other and break the rules in various ways, that that they're not subject to suspension, even though your average your average citizen is. And I think that's just messed up. Uh, the same rules should apply to people who call themselves journalists as to you know anyone else on the system. They shouldn't be uh, uh, sort of above the rules. For some reason, they thought they they, they should be. That's that's that doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't think that's right. Yeah. And the rules being transparent and upfront, I think that's what everybody's looking forward to. Maybe some just complete clarity and transparency. And you've said from the beginning, when somebody gets suspended or this shadow banning of this sort of what tips into this really weird yeah. uh, stuff that we discovered during or you discovered uh, or the journalists discovered during the Twitter files, it's, it's kind of a bummer that people are being sanctioned or shadow banned and they don't know it. If we're going to have a system, the rules should be clear to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, the uh, something I've committed to, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, I think probably be able to roll that out in January. Um, just uh, by the way, there is like a bit of a, you know, we are not going to be rolling out a ton of new features over, you know, Christmas and New Year's and stuff. <laughs> so there's like a, you know, we'll, we'll, the, the next sort of feature set will we'll probably roll out mid to late January. Um, and hopefully in that, we'll, uh, we can include um, information about why an account is suspended or uh, has uh, what is uh, called within Tesla, uh, t- Twitter uh, visibility filtering, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a.k.a. shadow banning. So, um, uh, and, and some of these things like are, like there's, there's a lot of things that just happen accidentally where uh, you know, there's... Um, you know, the r- rules in the system that are meant to detect whether someone's a, a sort of bot or troll or, or like brigading, whether like, you know, and, and then an, an account is sort of innocently caught up uh, in, in that. So, um, <laughs> like there were some accounts just suspended uh, yesterday because, um, uh, temporarily suspended, like they got like 12 hour suspensions because Someone in customers, someone in trust and safety thought that they had posted uh, a nude photo of Hunter Biden or something. In, Here in we the, go. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> but they hadn't, they hadn't actually done that. Um, I don't know. It, it was just basically a mistake. There were some accounts that, were, that were, got a 12-hour suspension yesterday for, uh, in error. And then they weren't, they weren't sure why it, why it happened. It was just essentially a mistake uh, in, in the, with Twitter customer support that was corrected. Elon, let me, uh, let me ask you just a slightly broader question. One of the things we just talked about was the regime change that's happened where, you know, we all have to act differently now that the risk-free rate is probably going to get to 5%. And I'm just curious across all your businesses, so Twitter, yes, but really more importantly, Tesla, SpaceX, are there decisions that you will make differently or not at all, or will make that you wouldn't have made otherwise in this new regime? And how often do you think about that kind of stuff? Well, I think it's more like, like it does seem like we're headed into a recession here um, in 2023. The magnitude of that recession is debatable, but I think it's at least a, a, a light to moderate recession. Potentially, it's on the order of uh, 2009. Um, so that's so I think it's 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 wise to kind of like prepare for the worst, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. 
don't get too adventurous. Like, like watch out for margin debt. Like I would really advise people to not have uh, margin debt uh, in a volatile stock market. And, uh, you know, f- from a cash standpoint, keep, keep powder dry. You can get some pretty extreme things happening um, in a down market. Um, like Brett Johnson, who was a CFO, who is a, is a CFO, CFO of, of SpaceX, was at um, Broadcom in 2000. And he, he said that, uh, and that's a good company making good products. And he said the, the, from, from peak to trough, I think in less than 12 months, uh, Broadcom went down 97%. So, like, even if you had a small margin loan there, you got you got crushed. Um, it subsequently recovered, and I think you know to to much higher levels. But you, you know, if there's like mass panic in the stock market, uh, then you've got to be really be careful about margin debt. So, but I mean, the, the, this is just as as we know, there's the, the economy is cyclic. So, you know, you. And it's somewhat overdue for a recession. And my best guess is that, you know, we have sort of stormy times for a year to a year and a half, and then things start to, dawn breaks roughly in uh, Q2 24, if, if I were to get, that's like my best guess. Recessions don't, like, like booms don't last forever, forever, but neither do recessions. And it's a 14-year boom, so a six-quarter recession seems yeah. like you know, that, may, that might actually bounce out. The last time it was, what, four or five quarters? So it's, it's, it's not easy. Hey, um, the Twitter files, are, how, how, how much longer are these going to go on? Uh, it seems like every week another drop, uh, and these are uh, pretty controversial. Um, how much longer are the Twitter files going to go on uh, in your mind? Yeah. And maybe why is this important to you to, to make sure that people understand the stuff? Yeah, I think it's important to like, you know, if, if we're going to be trusted in the future to kind of clear the decks for stuff that's happened in the past. So, um, I mean, to be totally frank, um, almost every conspiracy theory that people had about Twitter turned out to be true. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, if, is there a conspiracy theory about Twitter that didn't turn out to be true? Uh, so far, they've all turned out to be true. And if not, uh, more true than people thought. Is there a part of the files that really shocked you more than the rest of them? Like, of the things that have been disclosed, of all of these things, is there something that really sticks out with you as like, holy shit, I had no idea this was happening? Or is the whole thing just a big dumpster fire? <laughs> We're just looking at one huge thing. Um, you know, like psyops versus the Hunter Biden thing versus the yeah, the number of FBI people involved. That was the pretty FBI shocking. stuff is pretty intense. Yeah, the yeah. FBI psyop stuff to me was probably the one that was the most insidious. Like the rest of it, I could think of like you know a bunch of overzealous libs got used. Yeah, got it. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. But to have like a secure skiff that essentially sends things that, you know, government agents want the populace to basically think, it seems like out of a, like a really bad dystopian novel. And then it turns out it existed. And then it also, the thing is, it couldn't have just existed at Twitter. So what are yes. we going to do about all the other places where this shit's happening? YouTube, Facebook, yeah. Yeah, that's right. why this, it did, exactly. it, none of it seemed that surprising to me. It, I mean, I don't know, maybe I just believed all the conspiracy theories, but I've also <laughs> been inside 
some of these companies and seeing how they operate. So honestly, none of it was a surprise to me. Was it a big shock to you, Elon? Wait, wait, wait. You, you, Freeberg, you were, I, I think you can claim that you weren't surprised that these companies were shadow banning, although they yeah. denied it. But did you yeah. really suspect that the FBI was playing a role in flagging content for these companies to take down? Like yeah, that yeah. blew me away. But content yeah. that's got nothing to do with like terrorism. Yeah, they're anything. not investigating crimes. Like there's no crime. Right. Yeah. They literally flagged satire. <laughs> maybe they didn't get the joke i don't know but uh, <laughs> they don't seem to be a humor uh, driven group but um they don't seem to have the best senses of humor but aren't they supposed to get warrants isn't that how it's supposed to work in a democracy they want they're information asking, they're about asking users favors of their files. friends yeah they're all Th friends. that's the thing that's troubling to me P put yourself on either side of the extremes hey, we, 